Yeah, just kick him into the street. <laughs> I can't That's kick children. That's where we're going, right? <laughs> I mean, kill the young. What do we need them for? <laughs> Take that out of context, internet. Ruin my career. Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're talking about Boyle's Hunch. I first time this episode aired, I actually missed the entire first act, um, which and including the cold open, which you know, not not my favorite thing. <laughs> walking into an episode, not not the best way to ingest a medium. Yeah, yeah, not exactly a positive experience. <laughs> um. But, and you know, what was really, um, I don't know if it's just because, like, I'm on the West Coast now, um, but, like, I don't know, the last several episodes, the live tweets have felt less busy, I guess, is the best way to put that. Um, I just... Do you mean less populated? Yeah, like, there's just fewer people live tweeting, and, I mean, the, the, the official show account is as active as ever but the the like there's just not as many fans i feel like although maybe that's because i, I do think it's because i'm on west coast because most of the people that i used to tweet with um were international and so we're watching it simulcast with uh east coast maybe i mean i think it might be that you know twitter's dying who knows could be any number of things <laughs> that is also a possibility that twitter is dying I also haven't been on Tumblr, like, at all in, Jesus, what feels like a year. So I have no idea how the how the audience is responding. Probably with the GIFs. Probably with GIFs, yeah. Um, I, by the way, one of our missing episodes went up. I was late to the party. Well, you say, you say that like it happened on its own, like it escaped the facility. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that you should guard that facility better. <laughs> there's more than just your job on the line <laughs> this fake job that i don't get paid to do <laughs> yeah um no uh i we we recorded the funeral kind of late but i put that up last night this morning i don't know what is time i woke up at five in the morning today you did ask me on today a wednesday how my monday had been what is I don't time? remember. I don't remember what my Monday was like. <laughs> uh, speaking of things, I don't remember how they went. What happened in this episode, Carl? Oh, I don't know. Boyle had some decisions. Um, <laughs> Boyle fell hard for a woman who was uh, immediately sentenced to 10 years in prison. Uh, Boyle decided to spend his time on the clock for the New York City Police Department uh, trying to prove that she's not guilty, which is the opposite of what a detective is supposed to do. The only thing that matters to a detective is is putting more people in prison, so I don't know what his deal is. Uh, also, also, she had already been sentenced, like yeah. convicted and sentenced, so that case was effectively closed. I mean, it was way past closed. <laughs> Um, but Jake went along with it. There was some kind of, like, art gallery shenanigans. Ladies covered in latex, dude pooping in a cage. Uh, 
Yeah, Boyle stared into the dark abyss of never having a girlfriend, but it would all turn out okay because they proved that it was the woman covered in latex who did all the bad things. Unfortunately, she's not covered in latex forever. The second time we see her, she's definitely wearing street clothes. Yeah. Over in PR, um, Holt has noticed that everyone fucking hates the police in New York City. He's like, I know, we'll have a poster. This fails. Exactly (laughs) as Gina said it would, despite Amy uh, rubber stamping all of Holt's ego-driven machinations. Um, Amy gets targeted death threats. Holt decides to put his email on a poster. It's all good. <laughs> oh God, I have words about that. And over in this, and over in this C plot, two completely competent police detectives waste an entire day and thousands of dollars on figuring out whether two completely incompetent police officers bought ate some fucking ice cream. Tell me how you really feel about that C plot, Carl. <laughs> I mean, it was a waste of everyone's time and money. Yeah, let's start with that. So, um... Let's put that one away quick. Yeah. So Latoya's, um... Like, I I had I had been low-key thinking about how much, like, of a... Like, just... When I knew that they were going to give the spoon to the lab tech to have them do a mass spectrometer analysis, because I just knew that that was going to happen. And when it I, actually... I doubt it's mass spec. I, I bet it's more like... I mean, probably just, like, microscope work, because they're just looking at it and telling if it's ice cream. <laughs> um, well, he says, whoever whoever's spoon this is, their body ain't right. Yeah, that but sounds... that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's mass spec. Sure. I, I had assumed Unless they're producing a... some kind of horrifying chemicals. Okay, so not... <laughs> like, this person put a lot of cyanide in their spit or something. Um, in in which case they need to stop eating bitter almonds. Okay, real talk though. I assume I just assumed it was a mass spectrometer analysis, and I just remember thinking this is a huge waste of police resources. Oh, <laughs> just for sure. like, and just like when I read Latoya's review of this episode, her being like, "The C plot makes me wonder: Do the, any of these people have real jobs?" And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of exactly what I was thinking." I mean, the only people who do their jobs in this episode in order of most job done, are, like, Holt, Gina, and Scully. Scully does way more work this episode than uh, Jake, Charles, Rosa, and Terry put together. He books someone for elder abuse. (laughs) There There is the argument that the police should not be convicting guilty people. What? Like they find that the art because of because of Boyle and Jake's work. What's her name? Genevieve. Genevieve. Yeah, she. Um, God, I'm doing the thing I hate when I do it, which is not remembering any of the secondary characters' names. And anyway, um, Genevieve's uh, fi- realizing that Genevieve is is innocent is kind of is arguably police work. It's just that the case was, like, shut and No, convicted. it's valuable for society. It's valuable for society. It's not their jobs. Also true. Although, although when a case gets reopened, it they does did, go to they a detective. Did, they did catch a criminal, but the case wasn't reopened. They didn't get the case reopened. Like, they probably what they were doing was illegal. I, it's definitely not getting them paid, even though they did it on time, like, on, their, on the clock. 
like court time. This is this is fun random garbage for people to learn, I guess, from listening to this podcast. But court time is paid slightly differently than regular police time. Um, to cops, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like you know, it, lawyers get paid no matter what. But like the when cops have to go into court to testify, they get paid the 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 way the pay scale ranges on that is different. Huh. Or at least it used to be. I don't know if that got overhauled in the 90s. I don't know. But given that institutions are very slow to change, it's pretty unlikely. Um, but yeah, anyway, the, the the point here is that they didn't... You're right, they'd never officially reopened the case. Because the only way they could have is if they'd gotten new information. And they didn't get new information until they stealth reopened... The, I can't talk about this. So... So Terry and Rose's plotline, it felt, I don't know, it felt so. It was busy work. Yeah, yeah. And LaToya was saying, and and I've never agreed with LaToya more. Uh, she was saying um, that, that it just was like the, the lack of anyone having like a real case was really obvious with that C plot. Like, don't these people have jobs? Yeah, I, I thought about it a lot more in terms of, of Jake and Boyle. See, that's interesting because at least there's the semblance of a case being solved there. But I, I understand why you feel that way. Yeah, but like, it wasn't their case. It probably wasn't even their precinct. Like, they don't work Dumbo. You're right. That's That's, that's far away from them. Like, I don't know. Like... It was dumb. It was dumb. <laughs> um, I, yeah, the, the C plot was really frustrating. But I will say, I, I was wondering, because, like, you know, Terry physically pulls Rosa, like, away from Scully and Hitchcock. And I just suddenly had this moment of, like, who hasn't Terry picked up? And I think when I went through the cast, I was like, I think the only one he hasn't picked up, ones he hasn't picked up, are Hitchcock and Holt. Well, he definitely hasn't picked up Holt. I don't think he's picked up Hitchcock. Um, he's He picked up Scully in that one episode and was shaking him upside down. Yeah, I remember that. Um, he lifted Boyle on his shoulders at Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Uh, he picked up Amy when she had her hypoglycemic rage. That's true. Uh, he picked up Rosa in this episode. He picked up... He picks up Jake... All the time. ...pretty frequently, although... Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh... And Gina, he picked up during uh, the episode where her dance crew breaks up with her. Right, because they did some kind of dance number. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be picking up Holt soon. Not unless something very dire happens. <laughs> um, although, I will say, as, as extraneous as the actual occurrences in the C-plot were, I feel like the C-plot... But I I really I just felt this C plot was super funny, just like I'm thinking back on all the lines. And it's like you know no one can stand to watch you eat. <laughs> and, I, uh, I, I like pro- them proving that Scully and Hitchcock are clever. Yes. So like they're they're good at the roles they're in right now. Um, yeah. And it's funny, you know. That Rosa still gives a damn about Marcus. That's uh, amusing. 
Um, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about the C-plot, honestly. Fair enough. I mean, it's sort of... It's, it's just kind of a thing that was happening. It's inconsequential, long-term. Like, nothing plot-relevant happened. Yeah. Um, or at least discernibly plot-relevant. Um, I, I was, I was, however, really surprised that they even bothered to commit to the pr- police brutality thing. Um, I have seen a few conversations... Well, they didn't mention police brutality. That's something I noticed. Well, that, that's They fair. mentioned stop and frisk, illegal arrest, some third thing. They didn't say anything about, you know, fucking killing people all the time. True. Um, I felt that was implied. <laughs> it's implied. Like, clearly they, they opened that subject. But I... It, and I'm not, like, ragging on them for not bringing this up in particular. But that is the part they didn't talk about. Yeah, and it's it's conspicuous that it wasn't named, but like you like I said, it does feel like it was very strongly implied. Um, I don't know. I part of me is like, this is still a conversation that we're having as a society, but it's also we're not in the middle of like regular protest marches in New York City. I get why people are like the show could have gone political last season, and it could have been interesting. While like while those while those topics were like very much like in the news every day, I mean they still are, but it's it's the unfortunate side effect of a twenty four hour news cycle, right? Like the constant presence of people being killed by the police is almost like having the information so constantly is almost numbing. Sure, I mean it's the like outrage and protests haven't stopped though true i i but there i feel like i, mean, there's... I think it's it's more of a thing of like you know takes them a long time to catch up to stuff and figure out how they want to actually talk about it fair enough and while they are deciding to talk about it i'm gonna you know give them time and enough rope to hang themselves with yeah like i'm totally leaning on the table the option that they will completely fuck this up it's a real viable option That's especially kind of how... because like if like holt is being He's like, oh, Holt is discovering this problem through Amy. Like, we know he's in an office that can't do anything. Yeah, that's been made clear repeatedly. I do, I do agree. I think there's... I, I agree with you. There's definitely a chance they could fuck this up. And, and putting Holt... I don't know. I just... I understand why, like, PR had to deal with this. But it also is like... The show has been so consistent about PR being meaningless and powerless... Yeah. Yeah. And also... I mean, I think that that Holt can be effective even in a role that doesn't have very much explicit power if he puts his mind to it. But, like... and And I hope that, like, the postering is, like, just, you know, just his first step. Um... Yeah. And I mean, I liked the slogan that Amy, that slogan had Amy's voice. Like when she said, I came up with that, I was like, oh, I can hear Amy saying it. We know we can do better. Tell us how. Sure. Yeah. Uh, They're going to like, do you think Holt is stupid enough to actually put his actual email address on a poster in New York City? Right? I was, I, the minute, I work in tech, the minute he said that, I just had this, like, 
visceral negative reaction like no don't do that i'm aware of the internet like yeah It did kind of come off as grandma's using the internet now. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, I I hope it's not some, like, open entirely open to the public email address. I hope it's at least an alias that he can use to filter. Or maybe that's I mean, the plot it's of probably, it. I mean, like, it's not going to be the plot of an episode. Uh, <laughs> They should just set it up as like an outward facing inbox you have access to, but it's gonna be completely useless. There's a completely useless fucking ad campaign. Yeah, because the only it, it's selection bias. The signal to noise ratio is gonna be completely unworkable. Yeah, among among other problems. Yeah. Yeah. Amy was really on though. I really liked Amy in this episode. All four lines that she had. Four lines for which she did not get to do her job that day. Yeah. I also I also realized upon like rewatch, like, did Amy go to every version of her poster to take pictures and document what had happened to them? I mean, obviously. <laughs> she probably stalked the postering team. God, I hope not. Jesus. Why wouldn't she? I there there is so many stations. There's so many stations. I did. I did appreciate the realism of the stuff that people graffitied all over her. Appreciated. I. I was really uncomfortable with that bit. I'm a. I'm a Debbie Downer this episode, but like. <laughs> it's okay. I was the Debbie Downer last episode. Davy Downer last episode. May as someone well. wrote. Someone wrote "Die Pig" on our girl Amy's face. I know, but like, I I get that, but and what I'm saying is like I lived on the Upper East Side. When I was in New York and like, you know, it's a reasonably safe, like well-to-do neighborhood. And I still saw that type of dumb garbage nonsense happening in our in, in my train station. I mean, I agree that it's what would happen, but like enjoy it. I I didn't say I enjoyed it. I said you I did I, say I, you enjoyed it. No, no, I said I appreciated it in the sense okay. like as one appreciates art, one does not necessarily enjoy art. Whatever you say, Arthi. Speaking of dumb words that mean different things in an art context, a plot. <laughs> um, uh, I I want to start with them in the art gallery and everything. Okay, I I will say something. I will say that, like, from my perspective, the best extended parody that this creative team has ever done is 100% the parody of tech startups and especially large tech startups like Google in Parks and Recreation where they had the grizzle. I don't remember that. In the last like three, two or three seasons of Parks, they do this extended like mocking of tech startup life, including an episode where we see the grizzle headquarters in like San Francisco or whatever. And it's just so beautiful. Everyone's like walking around on hoverboards and like razor scooters that float. They have like I saw someone on one of those like those like horrible, sideways wheelie things that you stand yeah, on. 
mm-hmm. at, at Comic-Con, like, going out of Comic-Con. I'm like, you're going at fucking walking speed. You want to just cut out walking from your life. Like, you want to not walk anymore. You've just decided that I'm not going to go any faster. I'm just never going to move my legs. You might need your legs someday. <laughs> I... You won't be prepared. <laughs> Carl, Carl, in, in, I used to live next to a middle school. I mean, I still live next to a middle school, but I used to live next to a different middle school. And Good all story these so idiot far. children. I'm sorry? Good story so far. <laughs> you know what, though? That breaks my heart a little bit that you said that because you're an editor. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying you could cut some chaff there. <laughs> okay, great. Noted. Um... The point was that because I lived next to a middle school, I saw children on these fucking light hoverboard things, and I hate them. They would be on the sidewalks in, like, the 70s on the Upper East Side, and they would just be like... And and you've been in my neighborhood. You know that at least one side of the street has a very narrow sidewalk, and how frustrating it is when it's, like, a stroller, let alone some child on this, like, two-wheel monstrosity. Yeah, just kick him into the street. <laughs> I can't That's kick children. That's where we're going, right? <laughs> I mean, kill the young. What do we need them for? <laughs> Take that out of context, internet. Ruin my career. <laughs> what? what just happened? What just I did happened? the thing that I'm on this podcast to do. Sweet. I'm going to definitely cut that soundbite out and put it on Tumblr. Oh, good. Um, I won't, because I care about you. Fucking tag with my full name to make it as searchable as possible. <laughs> um, I, I could, I won't, because I care about you as a person. Yeah. Um. I still have moder- moderate utility to your podcasting game, game yeah, goals. Thumbs up noise. Um, yeah, so, A-plot, we talked a little bit about it already, about how didn't they have better things to do with their time. Which in, undoubtedly they do. Um, I I feel like the C plot could have had the vulture appear in it, but it didn't. Uh. Yeah, it could have. Uh, I thought that too. Um, when I watched it, I was discussing that with the person I watched it with. But like, um, they're not going to bring the vulture into any episode that's not about the vulture. That's just one of the facts of having a recurring guest actor. So, it's it would be nice, but, like, they're not paying what's-his-name McMattress King that much. I don't remember what he's actually famous for. Car insurance? I don't know. Yeah, he was Mayhem. That was the character's name. In some kind of insurance ad? Yeah, in the car insurance ads. Yeah, they're not going to pay, like, Governor Mayhem to be, like... <laughs> Just hanging out whenever they want to film him doing some shit. Um, you're you're right. Um, the uh, the actress who played Genevieve, it, but she's super active on Twitter. I wonder if she's going to be a recurring guest for a few episodes as well. I kind of hope so, because Vivian was. Oh, Genevieve? Yeah, probably. I mean. It looks like Boyle's getting serious about her, and he saved her from ten years in prison. I mean, it's going to go down in flames, like, immediately. 
his whole paradigm of, oh, a weird foodie with all of my particular hangups. I'll date that. That's not going to fucking work. Well, with Vivian, it worked up until it didn't. And it didn't because of... Yeah, it worked for two months. I I wonder how long he's been on he's how long he's been a foodie and what his ex wife is like. I wonder if we'll get to meet his ex wife this season. Uh, probably, I, I don't know. Maybe. Hopefully. Hey, uh, weird question. Um, how how long has it been since? Is it is it like June in this episode? Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't keep track of the timeline. But there's no. I mean. Hold is still in PR. There's no way that, like, they did a three-month time jump without telling us, right? It's probably it's probably a week later. Okay, so here's my question. Are they going to do a Halloween episode? And if so... Yeah, they are. When are... How are they going to do the time jump? They're going to not care about it. Uh, that frustrates the crap out of me. Uh, I'm sorry, but, like, what season it is doesn't matter to a serial comedy like this. I know, but this is... Oh, it's so frustrating. Because, like, the... the un, Unless the finale took place in September. I mean, it took place at some point when it was cold, so could be. Why not? It did? They were wearing jackets outside. You're right. Oh, it could have been September. Oh, could've. interesting. But the thing is, that doesn't matter because, like, establishing a hard and fast, like, it's this time, it's that time makes it much harder for them to tell a story and isn't really worth it. There's this, like, thing that was up on the wall because someone printed it out uh, and put it up on the wall next to my desk before I got to my desk, like, before I had that desk, that was about, like, story construction. And it basically said, you know... um. Every everything you give a reader during a story, you have to imagine them carrying it up a mountain. And if you like in the at the beginning at the bottom of the mountain, if you give them like a yellow Volkswagen Beetle, and they and then you don't use it, they're going to be pretty mad that they had to carry a Volkswagen Beetle up a mountain for no reason. Like if you give people this kind of stuff to hang on to, they'll expect it to be relevant, and they're not going to make it relevant. And they'll have to keep maintaining it. Like, either they're going to be, either you don't expect it to be relevant and it won't be. Or they'll expect it to be relevant and you maintain it for them. But then you're wasting a lot of time. Like, maintaining the chronology would waste a lot of time and, and make their job a lot harder. And they've only got 22 minutes to tell a story. So, like, I know it can be, like, kind of annoying for the detail-oriented mind, but it would be worse the other <laughs> way. I I don't disagree. I mean, th- there are specific types of stories where details like chronology are very very important. Locked rooms and mysteries, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, the shit matters in Quantico. The shit matters in How to Get Away with Murder. This show isn't either of those shows. But oh, okay. Yes, y- you're totally right. The the thing is though, the shows that the type of show that it matters most for is the type of show that this is adjacent to. What type is that? Uh, thrillers and mysteries. What? Thrillers and mysteries. This isn't that adjacent to thrillers and mysteries. It's definitely mystery adjacent. It's a, it's a it's a comedic cop show. That's inherently it's it's, it's, it's mystery related, but like. 
it's structurally so different from a mystery. And we're talking structure. Okay, fair. We're not talking content. Fair, fair. I, I can't argue that point. Um, though I do wish they would actually bother to build a better mystery from time to time. I don't. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. That, that, because it makes episodes more fun and it's totally worth it. Like, yeah. the mystery in this episode was laughably easy. As soon as I saw a fucking latex later, I was like, oh, it was her. Obviously, there's a woman here. Right? Uh, even wh- the minute she was like, I really want you guys to take to take away Genevieve's boxes of stuff that's all over the studio. Yeah, like, I mean, at that point it was, like, incredibly obvious. I don't know if I actually knew from the second I saw her. But, like, as soon as she recurs, you're like, oh, of course. It's the jealous whatever do whatever Yeah, exactly. Such, it's like... Not even trying. It it reminded me of... Un- Y'all are not mystery writers at it all. It was just like Unsolvable, where Jake solves the case off screen, and we see the results of that solutions. I mean, we get the excellent line, good, cool motive, still murder. But like, you know, Jake, literally the crime gets Jake solved in a commercial. Jake also tried a lot harder to solve Unsolvable <laughs> than he tried to solve this one. He's just like... Oh, wait a minute. They, like, even his reason for, like, he's like, ooh, I figured out they were having sex at a time when this happened, and now I have proof. It could really just be like, this lady gave us a bunch of evidence that was exactly what we needed, and clearly has a crush on this asshole, enough to, like, wear his fucking chrysalis dress. (laughs) It's very basic. Let's take her in for questioning. They could have brought her in for questioning on that alone. They could have been. They could have had a modicum of insight into human nature. <laughs> a bunch of comedy writers? No. No, I meant Jake. Oh <laughs> yeah, him too. <laughs> I guess equally unlikely. Fucking Boyle, man. I. It's a little too early to be upset that she's had sexual relations with someone she was in a relationship with before you existed. Uh, and also, ew. No, don't. What? No, don't do that. Their romance is going to end instantly, and it'll be good that it did. Like, this is not going to be a good relationship. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're not wrong. You're totally right. That They're super infatuated with each other, but, like, being exactly like someone else is not a good basis for a relationship. Boyle's not allowed to have romantic... Boyle's our Anne. Boyle is not allowed to have success in romance. I don't think that's necessarily true. But Boyle's romantic paradigm is is busted. Can you can you go into that a little bit further? So I don't know what his like ex wife was like. But so far his like thing with Genevieve looks exactly like his thing with Vivian. Like they're scary similar. I think they're even wearing the same colored dress or something. It's someone who, like, clicks with his, like, esoteric food interests immediately, uh, shares a bunch of things with him, and has this, like, weird hypercharged food sex thing. Immediately. Like, they're different in a lot of ways in that she's, like, closer to Boyle's age and experience. Mm-hmm. Like, she's portrayed as being closer to Boyle's age and experience. And, like, career levels, because, like... I mean, she's got her own gallery, but, like, that's a very ephemeral thing, obviously, and, like, 
you know, they seem more level that way. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the... I mean, that wasn't nearly as much of a problem for Boyle and Vivienne as the fact that, like, they didn't actually take the time to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And both of them being interested in food is not a... Is as bad a basis for a lasting relationship as Archie Punjabi being a gluten-free vegan was a basis for not wanting to have sex. You're saying like, the foodie thing is, is as invalid a deal-maker as her non-foodiness? As a, as a deal-breaker, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Also, he he runs a fucking food email blast. Gotta get used to gluten-free vegans, you asshole. You live in fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> not not just Brooklyn. Not to keep fucking not park to keep harping slope. on this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What? I said not to keep harping on this. No, I'm 100% okay with harping on this because it's not just that it's Brooklyn. It's that it's fucking park slope. It's that it's 2015, you goddamn Neanderthal. Right? Gluten-free and vegan have been trendy for at least three years. They were trendy when I moved to New York. It's not even about trending. Ugh. But, like, as a food thing, it's trendy, you know? I don't know. I mean, it's trendy, but, like... I mean, there are also real people who have real needs to be both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I want to end on an up note, which is I always, always enjoy when when Jake and Boyle are together. And I, I really enjoy when Jake sort of has to play straight against Boyle's crazy. Which they're, which they're having happen more and more. Oh, I'm so into it. I'm so into it. It's a problem how into it I am. I mean, I, I said repeatedly last season that I think, I think Sandberg is used best as a straight man occasionally making sort of like how he was in this episode in this a plot i think is the best use for him kind of really reining him in and all the like goofy like crazy that he kind of i think people want to impose on his style and then like sort of Mm -hmm. letting also the kind of stuff he seeks out is very goofy crazy right and so sort of hemming that in a lot um and sort of forcing him to play straight, I think, really works. Because it makes all the... It, it makes the moments where he is being goofy and childish and sort of strange have more punch. Yes. Like, I don't think I would have been able to tolerate a whole episode. Um, and and I'd tolerate a whole episode of Goofy Jake as well as, like, accept the fart joke, like, balloon question. But because <laughs> he'd been so, like straight edge most of the episode and like the my humps oh my god the my humps song parody my hunch and like the coordinated dance the they one. do they're clearly on a level they can clearly get in a jaeger their their best friendship is probably the true ship of the show like as much as i joke about um as as much as i joke about jake holt like the the <laughs> jake boyle uh, friendship relationship is is definitely like I think I mean not to break every shipper's heart out there because I'm definitely one of them but like I, I think Boyle's probably Jake's most important person and is going to be for a long time yeah I mean I don't think he thinks about it but I don't think he has to that's the, yeah that's a that's a that's an everyone else is thinking this for you dude kind of thing mm-hmm. but I, I do appreciate 
Jake being more of the straight man. Even, even, I, I can't, have we seen it in relation to Holt? What? Have, have seen what? Uh, Jake playing straight and Holt playing like crazy person. A very small amount. Um, in that one where they stay up on the... Like, it's... Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think anyone's a straight man in that situation. But, like, when... So, the way Brower plays it, it's, it's not that simple. Mm. Because when he's being the funny one, it's still, like, very dry and very serious. And the way to be the straight man to that is to indicate that the world is sillier than his world is if you get what i mean like right. the straight role is really the setting the normal role right and playing the straight man to holt still involves being <laughs> weirder i i agree i agree ah into it though really into it some deep fucking theory there put me in a think tank Pay me the money. When when was the last time we saw Jake playing straightest against the rest of the... I'm not going to be able to answer that. Well, I didn't complete the thought, but the rest of the squad is the rest of that thought. Probably last probably last week with his speech at the funeral or at the Shays. Shaw's. Shaw. That was a, Shaw's. That was a straight man speech of the three of those. You're right. <laughs> but, like, he doesn't respond... I mean... He responds to their crazy in the next scene where he finds Amy, right? And he says, uh, still the best speech out of the three that were given. Mm. Um, I, I'm trying to think, like, have... Well, part of it's because we haven't had a big ensemble episode in a while. Uh, audience, you did the research for us. You guys exist. Audience, tell us when you think the last time Jake played straight against really everyone in the cast. Just go for it. Just go right down the list. Or, or the entire cast is an ensemble all at once. Whichever one, you know, you feel like you have the most sort of immediate ability to answer, bring it on. I'm curious what you guys think. Um, I'm curious also what audience thinks of Jake just generally playing straight or against. Everyone's crazy. Do y'all agree with me? I hope so, because I have a lot of great opinions, and you should definitely agree with me. <laughs> I'm here too. Carl exists too, but this is like... But I think the bigger takeaway from this episode is that, like... Jake should actually go into sculpture. Dude, Jake is an art. I really want the AU where Jake is an artist. Somebody write that, like, immediately. No, I, I don't want the AU where Jake's an artist. I want the episode where, like, we discover that Jake's actually been pursuing creating that sculpture, and then he sells it for, like, enough money to do something good for his life. Oh, my God, but Jake is so bad at cigarettes. Like, that is canon. <laughs> He'll find some Go on the street. Go make Amy stressed out enough that she starts smoking chain, like, whole packs again. Now, he'll he'll find some on the street. That would actually be a good plot line, because she'd be like, Jake, there's too many cigarettes in here. It's, like, making me want to smoke or something. But, like, the Holy Smoke statue is a good idea. Yes. Like, you would see that in a museum, and it would make you think yes. a little bit. And, like, the joke name or whatever, but, like, the moment where Jake is like, could we actually do this? You can't just become an artist. That's crazy. It's like, I think they could turn that into a super important character moment of him being like, there's nothing actually stopping me from trying to do something really important and, and expressive and creative instead of watching Netflix all weekend, which, you know, I've played, like, 150 hours of Mass Effect in the last day, but, you know... <laughs> 
I'm not one to, t- to talk, but I think that Jake could do really well if he was just, if he gave himself permission to pursue some of his crazy ideas in an artistic form. And I think that, that the art piece he mentioned was better than everything in Asshole's Gallery. Yeah, given that a lot, well, <laughs> the society mirror thing was actually hilarious, but yes. I mean, it was it was a funny joke, but like the dude had a bunch of self indulgent stuff about his ex, most of which was just like Jackson Pollock yes. light, and then the boringest fucking sculpture ever, which is a word society being held up by a mirror or whatever. <laughs> that man's a talentless <laughs> hack. Yet, yeah. and he's selling paintings for ninety five thousand dollars. The problem with art, though, is that making artistic choices is a reaction to having artistic training, right? And so you have this, like, Jake's Holy Smoke statue idea is brilliant, but without Jake having the artistic training to imbue that with meaning, it comes across as 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 guy in your MFA. See, I, I don't think that's true. Like, if he put in the effort and did it, it would be art. Like... It's a lot easier to think artistically if you have training, but, like, and, like, getting materials for shit is expensive. And getting credentialized is, is, is difficult. But that's different from creating valid art. Like, you don't need artistic training necessarily to create valid art. It helps a lot. Sometimes having a good idea and, like, just putting in the work for it is good enough. I, I'm conflicted because on the one hand, like I had, I, I had a, 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 a light version of a humanities education. Um, and so I've, I've been, it's been drilled into me that artistic choices are made by people who have the ability to create, like, who have the ability to create within the context of like artistic training. Um, but that's super elitist and gatekeepery though. That's, that's exactly the other half of it is me realizing how elitist and gatekeepery I sound to myself even. And also how that, that opinion precludes me from pursuing, say, for example, my own personal, like, artistic dreams like to write a screenplay or to write television like those things are not possible for me given my own standards for artistic production fuck it though right like especially with writing like even way more than sculpture just do it enough and 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 there you go well i have been arguably exactly like there's things you can do to jumpstart yourself and like if you don't have like the training it's much harder to get credentialed but that's absolutely the training is absolutely not a requisite for making a valid artistic statement like it's a little high and mighty of me because like i'm a professional gatekeeper as an editor that's very much what i am i say that with with no intent to be humorous um but and like there's a huge jump in quality from people who've like had professionals looking at their work and telling them how they can improve it from people who've just been writing a bunch 
and have never really exposed that work to other people. But, like, you know, I think that Jake's first attempt might be kind of amateurish and not saleable, but it would still be good for him. And epiphanic artistic expression is definitely a thing. Definitely a valid and useful thing. I'm not saying Jake would necessarily be successful, but in a real context. But in the context of this world, you don't have to be good at something to succeed at it. Like, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you don't have to be even competent at something to be highly successful at it. <laughs> I love selling drugs, man. Yeah. he's he, he loves selling drugs and is quite a successful drug seller. That's all it fucking took for him. Like, do you think that Scully <laughs> went to opera school? Okay, so no, but he clearly had operatic training. Are you sure? I. Boyle okay. never went to a culinary school. He probably went to culinary classes. But, like, there's a very low bar in this world. Jake could absolutely sell a sculpture. You're right. You're right. I the the operatic training is sort of a moot point. He has a beautiful voice and a serious repertoire. Sure. I think I think that like looking at the other sculptures that are going on is like the fucking the art that is that is like on the market in the Brooklyn Nine Nine verse is uh amateur grade stuff of nightmares. <laughs> I love that. Breastfeeding night is of is a valueless piece of art. Probably. I could probably come up with a way in which it was meaningful and spoke to me if I really tried and if it were real objects in the world. But like But you shouldn't have come to. On. Pieta speaks to you regardless in bringing out the real world, right? Pieta? Um the Michelangelo sculpture of uh Mary holding her 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 son's corpse in her lap. Maybe. I mean, it's okay. Like it's not my favorite sculpture. Like no, no, but it's it it it's uh, that's a statue I had the privilege of seeing in person, and even as a child, I found it fascinating. I have definitely been moved by art. Yes. I think that like classical sculpture, like that shit requires marble and fifteen years of specific instruction. Right. But making a cigarette Jesus, that's not a bad idea. It's a really good idea. I would have been yeah. more socially relevant. 15 years ago, but yeah, it's still a good idea. Yeah. I mean, especially if he goes with my idea of making it out of, Rick. like, cigarette butts you find on the street. That says a lot about, like... I mean, he shouldn't be making it because he doesn't... He's only been in church once in his life. But I guess he could be making the statement about how it feels to be living in a Christianized society as, like a Jew on TV and like being discarded and I don't care, <laughs> but like, or, or about how, how smoking is and of itself. Like it's, 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 it's both, it's both church and communion, like simultaneously because smokers gather together in the name of the almighty RJ or Reynolds. how it's both, or it's how, how it's both abjection and transcendence. <laughs> What are we doing? We're analyzing a fictional hypothetical piece of art. I What we're doing is me saying, I think he should make this statue. I think they should run with this. I think they should 
give Jake a, like I think they should make Jake interested in in serious artistic expression because I think it would uh, be transformative and valuable to his character. I 100% agree. I would love to see that, especially given that like Gina has her own artistic expression space of, of her own. You know, her, her dance yeah. is that for her. Part of me, part, a big part of me, is like, will they ever even touch on this again? Because, you know... No, they surely won't, but they ought to. I know. And there's so much, like, potential there. Because, like... Because it... it, it if they went with this plot line and we're doing the thing we said we wouldn't do last episode, but fuck it, we're going to commit to the bit. Um, if they did this plot line, it, it would be incredible because they, they could do the, they could really lean into the found family nature of the show and that, which this, this creative team really has enjoyed in their other shows in the past. You know, everyone finds out that Jake's been like art, art, arting, in his off time and and you know at first they're sort of like her her jake an artist whatever like they're kind of dismissive and then they kind of like band together when maybe maybe he doesn't do a gallery show that's crazy but like you know maybe they actually finally see his work and they're like oh this is actually you're not bad you're doing this is way better than we thought it was right and and okay that's that's like a low bar for praise but i kind of love it that you could be like you know no we we really want to support you in your artwork like how can we help and also, like, it could start with, like, Amy being, like, like being worried with with Rosa about the fact that, like, Jake has insisted that they not go to his apartment for, like, months. <laughs> and he keeps smelling like cigarettes when he comes over to her place after stopping at his. Yeah. Yeah. We should stop. We have to stop. We should leave yeah, this episode. Yeah, okay. Um... Uh, Boyle Jake friendship A plus I love I love that every time uh, Jake in, in artsy hipster gear love that I'm gonna end on an anecdote that Twitter shared with me which is that apparently between takes for the art gallery scenes um, Sandberg just refused to take off any piece of that costume <laughs> like he didn't take off the hat he didn't loosen the scarf he was so like I like this <laughs> <laughs> and I love and the only thing I'm mad about is that Charles got the glasses and not Jake love uh all all that outfit needed was glasses honestly it was his it was his only idea i know but it could have been i know but that but it didn't have to be no and jake's outfit needed glasses that was all it needed to be complete i i've been in that part of brooklyn man yo uh our disability is not a prop i i know but for your sexual titillation and on that note, uh, <laughs> from all of us, or from both of us, shit, I fuck that up every time. I'm going to try it again. Or do you want to do it since I did it last time? No, nah, I don't care about anything. Okay, cool. Um, so, hey, audience, from both of us to all of you, this has been Back in the Field. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>